Thank you, Siri. Thank you, Siri. Hey, are you aware of PR guy on Twitter? No. Oh, he's basically a Dan Andrews stan account. <laughs> as close to propaganda as you can possibly get. And today he's done. So he, but he's an anonymous account. Right? That's his thing. He, he's completely anonymous. And today he had a dig at the age for publishing an anonymous editorial mm. and spent like six tweets ago. Oh, nobody wants to put their name to it. No, like nobody wants to be identified with it from his anonymous account. This is PR guy 17. That's him with Troy McClure as the photo. Has labeled Victorians as traitors. I out, got him, go. Oh, no, just swing. I think he deleted a number of the tweets that he got called out on about the, the whole anonymous issue. Again, stones in glass houses. Yep. Jeez, it's swinging out there. It's a cloudy English morning, overcast. The Duke balls flying around. The Duke. How's the NRL going? <laughs> I'm invested. Boring as batshit. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Well, Roosters are up by six. Oh, he's gone. See you later. Spoilers. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Got him. Go on. Yes. Piss off. You're out. Fuck off. Row it. I was going to say, one for zero off your first over back is uh, a bad, eh? Good start. Hey, Chrissy works. He is the solution to all of England's problems. What are we drinking? Back into the European Union. Um, Last bottle of Sailor. Sailor Jerry. Yes, sir. On the rocks, bit of lemon. Goes down a treat. Love to see it. And beer, of course. Of course. Can't have one without the other. If you're not double parked, what's the point? Um, God, it is Thursday. <laughs> oh, the teams were announced. I should probably get that out. Old Zachy Tui back in. Yeah, I can't believe Dalhouse got dropped. Did he? Yeah. I thought he would have been safe as Dale Houses. Hey. I'm hey, so oh. sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I took it back. Oh, it's, we've said worse things on live recorded podcasts. So that is a good there point. is a recording of me talking about some foundation as big cancer from last week. And it is still the funniest thing I had ever listened to. <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about um, Andrew Strauss's wife. That's what we're talking about. Oh, that's right. That's awful. It was terrible, but it was so funny. 
Oh goodness. All right, should we start the podcast? <laughs> yeah, on that on that bombshell. Oh, that's not getting included. Oh, not again. <laughs> Didn't get included the first time. Hello, hi, we're back. Welcome back to the Last Call Podcast. My name's Jamal. ISO Boys part indefinite. I'm joined by Etherington. <laughs> ISO Boys. Lockdown purgatory, how are we feeling? Episode 704 of 6,917. We're going to get to the point in lockdown where we are just the um, the Grandpa Simpson, like where we are just this. Dear Mr. President. That's just going to be us in like... What do you mean, we'll be? No, no, but we'll be of that age by the time we get out of lockdown. I think since I've moved to Melbourne, I've spent more days in lockdown than out of lockdown. Probably. It was the start of June I moved here. So what's that, three months? I reckon we've been in lockdown for, well, maybe not quite six weeks. But it would be about six weeks. Yeah, uh, it was the 15th of July. Sorry? That we went into lockdown. The first time or the second time? This most recent one hasn't been going for six weeks already, has it? Yeah. All right. And then there was another five-day lockdown as well. Before that, yeah. Oh, so it's comfortably more. Yeah, absolutely. And by the time we get out of this lockdown, I'm going to be 73. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to be old man yells at cloud while we're talking about uh, Oscar Judd winning a Brownlow. <laughs> yeah. And is it time for David Mundy to finally retire? <laughs> David Mundy going in his 45th season with Fremantle yeah, bro- to win a premiership. Breaking news tonight, David Mundy's son has retired after a 400-game career, but his dad is still going strong. <laughs> dad hits the ton. Oh, uh, goodness gracious. Um, finals, it started. How yeah, what, Overall, outside of your obvious bias, how did you feel finals week one went? Look, I, it was an interesting decision for the AFL to only play finals from Friday night to Saturday night. Like, I thought it was quite condensed. Yeah. The, the three games, but I didn't mind it, to be honest. I thought um, Friday night started with a bang. Obviously, wasn't the greatest game. Saturday afternoon was the highlight, and then Saturday night sort of petered out, but I think gave us a, the most imposing performance of the weekend. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I, I guess after the just, like, pure elation and just intensity that was round 23, like, even though it was finals week one, you kind of just like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't all that. As you said, Friday night was okay. It was, it yeah. was fun watching Geelong lose. Yeah. I th- in all seriousness, I think there were there was one really good game and three sort of ordinary games. But I think two of those ordinary games at least gave us a real clear indication of the two premiership favourites. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, Sunday was... Sunday was... I heard they just cancelled Sunday. Yeah, I hear that we've just left everybody involved with Sunday, especially the three green maggots, just in Tassie purgatory forever. I think they just... I I would be scared for those umpires. All right. Rumour has it they they got washed into the Derwent River, never to be seen again. (laughs) Um, All right. Just so we don't linger on it, should we start... Sunday and go backwards just so we can get over it. Yeah, let's start. Let's do that. Um, so the Bulldogs went into the match 25 v 22. 
um, because, <laughs> boy, the umpiring was average to say the least. In fairness, we had Peter Wright in the rain, so 25 v 21. Yeah, and you had Tom Cutler. Actually, 26, because Tom Cutler... 26 v 20. Tom Cutler. I know he was awful, but that one where he accidentally kicked it to, I think it was English, just outside the... Yeah, and then the other one where it just sort of bounced onto his foot and he kicked it out. (laughs) He's having a shocker. It wasn't his fault. He has been pretty good for the past month, so I will excuse him, but it was just indicative of the sort of... I have a text in my phone that says Tom Cutler should have been sacked 12 weeks ago. Yeah. And he should have been. (laughs) Um, I mean, if we're going to go back through texts in your phone about Tom Cutler, the record will show I was a big advocate for sacking him from sort of April. Yeah, I I know. But, you know, he's he's come good. All right. Western Bulldogs beat. Whoa, 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 whoa. Good is an overstatement. He's Adic- adequate. He's he's uh, jumped over your bar, which has been on the floor. Yes, yeah, he didn't trip while walking <laughs> over the bar. Um, Bulldogs beat Essendon with the help of four Cody Waitman free kick goals. Um, Essendon looked good out the blocks when it was dry, and then uh, the rain settled in, and then. All hope was lost for the Bombers, I feel like. Um, the dogs weren't even that good, I feel like. Like, it, was, it wasn't close, but the dogs weren't good. The Essendon were just outside of Parrish, like, at times. <laughs> what was the second quarter? Parrish had, like, 15 touches. 16. Yay. 10 contested, like four clearances. Second most possessions in a quarter in a final ever, I think. Yeah, no, it was unbelievable. Um, but I don't know what it was. The Bulldogs were just like better. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah. feel like outside of your top eight, everyone was just super mid. Yeah, our forward line, I think, definitely. Okay, so Essendon haven't been a good wet weather team since I can remember mm. and have been a quite a deplorable wet weather team for probably the last decade. Um, and especially this year, our, our forward line, especially with Tipper out, became quite dependent on sort of two meter and probably Waterman um, and stuff to take some marks and at least crumb or whatever. And as soon as it was wet and all those guns came out of the armory. Yeah. It was just going to be so impossible for us to score. And you saw that we kicked four. Stringer kicked two of them. Parrish kicked one from the goal square. And the other one was Dev Smith. Dev Smith from a 50 meter, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dev Smith nailed one. I was like, oh, you're on here. Um, yeah. But yeah, that, <laughs> you can't ask your forward line of two meter Alec Waterman. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love Perk, but good grief. He was, and it's like, it's not much he can do. Hmm. Um, They're horribly unlucky. I think if it, I still think based on the way that they came out firing, like even up to, even up to half time, I think if it's dry, they go close, if not win. I think they push. I think it definitely wouldn't have been embarrassing like it was. No. And I like, as we, you said this off air, but. It, the score flattered the dogs. They kicked, what, seven in the last quarter or something. They just kind of just piled it on and Essendon mentally went home. Um, 
But in good news for Essendon, uh, after zero football at all in the past 300 years, Jai Caldwell looked really good. Uh, Jai Caldwell looked good for a quarter. Yeah, better than and then And then barely touched the ball after that. But yeah, no, he did. Apart from the fact that the first two times he touched the ball, his first possession, he kicked inside 50 and kicked it straight to a Bulldogs guy. And then the second time he got the ball, he tried to kick. His foot went out from under him and he just completely planted into the ground and lost the ball. I mean, he had a better day than Dylan Scheel, who was directly responsible for two Bulldogs goals that I can remember. Dylan Scheel (laughs) is so frustrating because like he has ability and even in the past couple of weeks since he's come back he has shown it busting out of stoppages like he's got elite pace he's a good inside mid but his kicking is deplorable oh it's terrible to the point where he's not just not a huge asset he's almost a liability he yeah at times if it's not like going his way like he was genuinely responsible for the bulldog's second goal i think where he like handballed it backwards, and I think Libba got on the end of it and just bombed it forward to who knows, might have been Nort or someone. Waitman, I think, kicked their second goal when he got de- decapitated after he shrugged his arm up. Or was that the? Because <laughs> well, I think he kicked their second and third goal, didn't he? Yeah, that third one was just unfortunate because Sam he just came up <laughs> Sam Draper's armpit. He's just that short. Yeah, and Draper's uh, that tall and clumsy, so it's like... Yeah. Draper, uh, Draper was murdering Lewis Young in the rock. He did early. I, I, I don't know if he dropped off or if his effect just got negated by the fact that it got wet and sort of shitty and mm. our midfield dropped off. But yeah, no, early he looked absolutely dominant and it looked like he would be the difference. Yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know. For me, there's not much I can say because it was just like, it was just shit weather and the Dolphins don't play well in shit weather and the dogs just played. Yeah. I, there's nothing that if from this game that I can take for the Bulldogs for the rest of the finals, I feel like. Yeah. From an Essendon perspective, I think the, the big difference between this time and the last few times we've got murdered in elimination finals, which is what happens. We tend to get murdered. I think I think the last couple of times we played, maybe Sydney might have been the last. Oh, Sydney, maybe West Coast, Port Adelaide, rarely Melbourne teams, it seems. But um, we, we seem to have limped into the finals in those years and then dropped right off the next year. Mm. I don't see that happening next year, even though we got killed in that elimination final um, and we're clearly off the pace. I, I don't see us dropping off. I think, if anything, we'll improve. Yeah. No, I agree. All right. Any, anything else? Last words for the Bombers season? Um, Jordan Ridley is a fucking superstar. Yeah, he's great, isn't he? He's, he's, he's just so good. But yeah, no, he's, he played on Nort most of the day, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And actually, did you notice this? Because you listen in the commentary as well. Mm. In the start of the second quarter, the commentators really started to hype up Nort. Mm. He kicked a goal from that horribly unlucky um, Tom Cutler out in the full. Yeah. And then I reckon, then I, yeah, but then I reckon he took two more marks at about 60 metres out. Mm. And that was, that was enough for JB and that to declare that 
Norton's starting to get on top. He's he's firing up. He, he, he's having a real impact on the game. He hadn't really done anything at that point. I, I know he might have got a bit more into the game at the end when the, the dogs started to get real on top. But when they started really going on the hype trend, he he kicked a goal from it out in the full and he took a couple of marks. I think it was because he just bucketed a few. For, and considering it, the weather was so bad, like I'm surprised that his hands were that good in such bad weather that I think he just clunked a few. And then they were like, oh, he's having a real impact in the game. And I'm like, he's not kicking from 60 here. Like he's he's set it up for Team English who dropped the ball and then didn't kick a goal. <laughs> yeah, maybe it, it just seemed like way too premature. Like it was almost, and you'll probably disagree with this because you're a Hawthorne supporter, but it was almost like when Cyril used to do one magic thing yeah. halfway through the third quarter, hadn't touched the ball for two and a half quarters, uh, and Bruce would just go, "Oh, he's starting to fire up now. He's special." It's like he's done one good thing. Yeah, uh, no, Cyril's a bad example because, like, and I'll, <laughs> this is just, um, like, the 2008 grand final, Cyril on that wing didn't touch the ball, beat three cats to, like... That, that is true, that, yeah. That kind of, like, off the ball thing. But I get what you mean with Norton, where you're just like, yeah, you marked the ball, cool. I think they were just amazed that he marked the ball in such terrible weather. Also, this is high, isn't it, this England review? It seemed high. Yeah, that's high. Yeah, it's quarter way up his thigh, I'd imagine. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Cyril is a bad example because he could change a game with one or two acts. But for me, Cyril's uh, tip is almost in that Cyril thing where yeah, if it touches the ball five times and he'll kick three goals. Yeah, probably. Um, But yeah, it it just seemed. over the top for what he had done. I feel like they just had to make the game because I personally did not enjoy this game. It was... Oh, you didn't. Yeah, you know. It was... I didn't watch the end of it. I was at the bottle shop. It was just like, it was rugged. And to be honest, the the thing that I got most out of the game, I liked watching Taylor Dure go back to his old form of just hitting people and just whacking people around for fun. Other than that, I was just cheering on the multi, which, you know, surprisingly didn't get up. So I'm shocked. Oh, actually, before we move on from the game, we had better point out that the glorious stat. Jake Stringer uh, becomes the first ever player in VFL, AFL history to play in five consecutive Western Bulldogs finals wins without a loss. That is a great stat. It is. a Well, he sent me that and I was like, wait, Eastern Wood. But then I was like, Okay, he's played in losses. I see what you've done there. Yeah, Easternwood, Bond, McRae, Liver, yeah. Lockie Hunter. Like, yeah, but they, they all played 2019 finals. Yeah. Brilliant. How good? <laughs> I, mean, Paul, I mean, yeah. I mean, not good for Essendon, but, you know, that's just a fun stat. Oop. It is. It is absolutely a fun stat. No, not even close. All right. Um, since we're going backwards, Saturday night... Melbourne defeat Brisbane. Um, Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne looked class. It, it's not out. I can I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, it, it to my eye, it looked closer than the last one though. Did they review the last one though? Yes. Oh, 
Um, yeah, no, they did. It's the, the best I've seen Melbourne play in quite a while. Um, the only reason it was close for any stretch of the game was the fact Charlie Cameron kicked five. He kicked three in the first quarter. He looked in okay. the that was cl- That would have been out had he not hit it. That's, that's, that's true. Which I know is a pretty big impediment to being at LBW. But from <laughs> when I... Old, uh, <laughs> my grandma would be a bike if she had wheels. Um. Anyway, um, Saturday Night Football. <laughs> yeah, they, Melbourne just looked great. Clary is in a he's class so, of his own. He's so. Um, I think he'll come second or third in the Brown though. Like he, he has to. I, I still think Wines wins it. Hmm. But yeah, no, Clary's incredible. I think he's more consistent than Trark, but Trark is just a beast and. I reckon can turn a game of football within 10 minutes more than Oliver can. Yeah. Gorn was just dominant. Um, their forward line finally looks like they've got the right mix in their forward line and they're firing. Fritch for an undersized forward in that Jack Gunston style role is incredible. Insane. Um, ben Brown in some really good form. Tom McDonald back in some good form. Cozzy Pickett, yeah. Pickett looks Bible. good. Yeah. And of course, their backline is just rock solid. So, yeah. um, um, all one out for Lockie Neal, 46 touches, 13 clearances. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he, he was all over the shop. It's, it's a fair final. He, um, yeah, he not just did he go backpack mode, but it was like when we used to go on those school camps with the giant backpacks yeah. that pack everything into yeah. it. It was like rucksack mode. Just <laughs> yes, wait, well, not only am I gonna have to carry you, but I'm clearly just gonna have to do all of the work. Yeah. All right, fine. And he just couldn't quite. So he had 46 touches. Charlie Cameron's kicked five goals and they still get beat by what? Six? Five goals. Did they get... Yeah. Uh, 33 points, which is and not just 33 points. Melbourne kicked 13 15 to 9 6. Like yeah. it was, it, it was dominant. To get. It, yeah. I think I texted you, it should have been 10 15 goals. Like Melbourne were just so good, like a class above. Yep. Um, it was good to watch. Um, my one question is, do Melbourne have an issue? a small defender lockdown issue. Charlie Cameron's kicked five. Is that something they should address by maybe a Michael Hibbard coming back in? In place of what? Petty, I guess. No, well, Petty's the third tall, isn't he? Is it, uh, what's his name? Joel Smith? Not Hawthorne Joel Smith, but Melbourne's Joel Smith. Alleged Joel. I think Joel Smith's okay. I just don't think they, like they've got, is it Bowie, Bowie back there? Um, like, who are they playing? Who do they have the opportunity to play, I guess? So they'll play Geelong or GWS. Right. So either... They don't really have small, small forwards. Grind's not a problem because I'll put money on him every week and he won't score. No, it probably would be someone like Grind. So Petty would get Rowan, right? Um, or no, no, Petty would probably get Cameron. Cameron and Lever would play on Rowan. Ah, but it doesn't matter. Rowan 
Rowan's still banging the physio's face. <laughs> or Lockie Henderson's misses. Um, no, that... But, yeah, look, I could potentially see that, but I think it's more of an issue in the expected grand final matchup if they come up against Port. Who's going to play on Rosie, mm. Fantasia, Ooh. Butters? Uh, they've got a... Motlop's probably... Is he? Oh, look, did he play? He kicked two goals. Yeah. So I mean that that's considerable small forwards on Port Adelaide's bar. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, and obviously, you wouldn't think all of them will be in there at the same time, but they're getting. And I, I just still think Michael Hibbard is worth something to that backline. I think like if you Joel- ask someone, to do, like I think Joel Smith, and I haven't seen. Obviously, I'm not a Joel avid Joel Smith watcher, but I think if you tasked a Smith or a is it Bowie or Bowie, whoever it is, whoever it is, da- David, red, let's just say call him David, the redhead. If they tasked them with that's Clayton Oliver <laughs> with a lockdown role, I'm sure they'd pay more attention to it. I think they just bank on the almost <laughs> like the wall that they have, like the levers may, they'll just cover it all. But like Charlie Cameron kicked five on Saturday. Yeah. Who do they have on Cameron? They, that, that, yeah. That, Joel Smith. I don't know. They had Salem starting on Cameron. That's why he kicked three. Oh yeah. They did too. Yeah. That, that's right. Then, and they said that. And I was like, Christian <laughs> yeah. <Salem> has zero <laughs> defending bones in his body. He goes to the Adam Saad school of defending. So I think, and like, he, what did he kick? Three in the first half? Uh, three in the first quarter? Three in the first quarter, I think, yeah. Five by three-quarter time. So I think, and obviously the game was getting away from them at that point. But I think if you task Joel Smith or a Bowie Bowie to a small forward, they could probably do a job. Yeah, probably, but I mean... And I think that's uh, partly coaching because if you're Simon Goodwin, I wouldn't send Christian Salem to mark an under-14 reserves player, let alone one of the best small forwards in the game. So... Yeah. But I mean, beyond... It's a good Beyond Smith, do they have anybody else to play that role? Because as we just went through, if they play Port in the grand final which I think now looks highly likely. Mm. Truck um, in the back pocket. <laughs> yeah, well, play anyway. Truck could play in the back pocket, but I doubt he will play in the back pocket. I also doubt he will. But yeah, no, it's a fair shout. Hibbard, they've got... Um, who else have they got? I have no idea. So Jaden Hunt's out injured still, I think, and isn't likely to get back. Mm. Um. But yeah, I just I wonder how their back line will match up against the Port Adelaide forward line full of those small sort of mosquito fleet of forwards. Yeah, and you'd think that's going to be a super tough decision to make come the day. You'd think Goodwin and the Melbourne like selection committee would be wise enough to play to the team. Like I think you can get away with how they're playing now against. 
Geelong or GWS. But if they make the grand final, which is looking likely, and they do play Port, um, they're going to have to change it up because, as you said, Orazio Fantasia and Connor Rosie, like you can't have, like they've got two forwards. They've got um, Dixon and Marshall. Marshall, Georgie Artis might be coming back. Georgie Artis just been in a car accident, I think. Oh, Georgie Artis might not be coming back. So, um, so Dixon and Marshall, I think, are their two key forwards. And then you've obviously got Robbie Gray. Ooh, um, yeah, true. Travis and Boat. Travis Boat. No, Travis Boat might float forward, but he's a midfielder, really. Yeah. If he's forward, Gray's probably not forward. I don't think they're in the forward line at the same time. So Dixon, Marshall, Gray, Fantasia, Rosie, Butters, um, Dersma. Yeah, he's a bit of a winger, I think. But but anyway, that sort of motlop. That, that Ilkov player. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other selection conversation I think I would be having about Melbourne, which, sorry, just as a hypothetical to you, hmm. if they get to that's out, it is. If they get to the grand final, yeah. Nathan Jones is a sub. You, uh, you'd like to think so. Um, it obviously depends what I, but like, how stiff would you feel if you were Nathan Jones? You've played 300 and what, two yeah. games for Melbourne? been some of through the worst football I've ever seen in my entire life. And as soon as they get good, they're just like, ah. That's not out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Nicked? Hit him outside the line, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd feel stiff as. Uh, actually, that is out. Maybe. You can see the stump there. See, I'm 20 seconds behind you, so you've got more idea, but. Yeah, that uh, probably is out, actually. Maybe out. a bit high. Umpire's call. It's out. Good. Yeah. Bring in Virat. Um, um, yeah, see, see, I've heard, I've heard lots of people talking about he's not quick enough, he can't cover the ground, and if you, get a, if you get an injury early, then it's a liability. But I would counter that by saying in a big pressure, big game like that, I would back Nathan Jones to stand up over somebody that's played 15 games. Yeah, and you've got to think, like, uh, just think back to last year's grand final when Ablett played, and Ablett did his, what did he do, his shoulder? Shoulder. And they just ran him out for the rest of the game. And he, they, was, they were basically playing down one, but it was like hero ball, basically. And it didn't get it done, but, like, kind of the same. Well, Nathan Jones is no Gary Ablett. But, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I'd I'd be inclined to play him, I think. But it is on the big ground, and I mean, yeah, I think if you're going to play him, then you have to make him the sub this week, or almost play him this week, maybe. Well, they got a couple weeks, don't they? Oh, so yeah. they've got this week off. So yeah. I mean, next game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it depends. Who are they going to play? Um, Ge- Geelong, probably. I think. I mean, he probably has he, – he fits the age profile of Geelong. That's that's true. Battle of the Bridge? Battle of the Bridge. What a strange game. <laughs> Your dad pre-game put all the money on the Giants. 
I'm pretty sure took out two mortgages on the house. I mean, he would have won big because um, Giants by a point, but Sydney kicked 2-7 in the last quarter to shit the bed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I was I was rooting for Sydney just quietly. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't believe Buddy missed. Yeah. That was so set up for Buddy to be the hero again. Mm. And Buddy kicked, yeah, Buddy kicked three, looked lively, looked good. Isaac Heaney kicked four and really turned it on the last quarter, uh, last half, sorry. Uh, Toby Green kicked three despite uh, double footing an umpire in the chest. Kicked three in the first 10 minutes and then was abysmal. Yeah. To the point because, where he, because some of us had it had him to get fifteen possessions to win lots of money. Yeah, uh, uh, perhaps kick two. Jesse Hogan looked really good. Hit the post twice. Should have kicked four. Yeah, the buckets were out. Hey, especially in that third quarter, he just marked everything. Yeah, no, he's um, he looks really good, and it's really good to see because he was uh, once a future premier forward of the comp, and then disappeared and. He seems to be back with a vengeance. Um, who else played well in this game? Parker had 34. Kelly was good. Whitfield's always class off the back line. Yeah. Hopper and Taranto are always good going through that midfield. Um, yeah. I feel like it was... <laughs> and I, I look at this from a purely... Uh, from a punter's perspective. Low possession game. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I mean, I know we talked it up as game of the round, but I'm not actually sure it was a great game. It was just a really close game. It was close. Which was the it was the only close game for the weekend, which I think made it more of a an ex, it was obviously exciting, but I'm not sure it was a great game. Yeah. Especially no. after halftime. It was a, a scramble after halftime. It, it was a really strange game because I think for three quarters, Sydney were the better team. They just really let it go in that second quarter and the Giants got out to, what, a five-goal, five, five six-goal lead? Yeah, I think I so. genuinely yeah. think Sydney were the better team for the rest of the game. And it was similar. Wasn't it last time they played, weren't GWS five goals up at halftime and Sydney reeled them in? Yeah. And it was and this time This time was the same, but Sydney didn't reel them in. GWS just scrambled. God, they, um, should, they should have reeled them in. Oh, they absolutely they should have won by four goals, Sydney. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was a bit like that, but... Oh, Nick Haynes was the other one that was very good. Yeah, that's very true. Um, he's, he's, he's really he's good. A jet. He's a jet. Yeah. Um, again, Mummy comes in, wins a game. It's, it's written in the stars at that point. And, mate, to be honest, I know he doesn't tend to back up very often, but... If he does play this week, I think he could be a big difference against Geelong. Well, we've got the teams here. Oh, uh, yeah, true. They're playing tomorrow. In our boy Bobby Hill. In C Stone. Callum? No, no, Curtis, the Coles Curtis. chef. Curtis Stone. Out. Uh, is it? Tom Green, Toby Green. And the good Sam Reed. The good Sam Reed. So, mummy in? Mummy's in. Well, that's a good sign. Um, 
So yeah, playing a, playing a chef as the twenty second man is a bold move from Leon Cameron, but I guess and get the, the guy nutrition who up. Made that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. That's such a dumb joke. Um. And what, uh, one that I'm not sure we've fully explained on the podcast. So it's just a completely dumb inside joke, but. Yeah, I mean, that's basically all this podcast is. That's a good point. Um, uh, so Geelong's team, what, Tui in, uh, what's the other Irish guy's name? Uh, Taylor or Reardon? No. Uh, Tui, Radigalia and Max Holmes in. Uh, Simpson, Dalhouse, omitted O'Connor. O'Connor, that's it. Out with a hamstring. Yeah. Higgins, yeah. probably the sub. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Should we fly through the Friday night guy, uh, game and then we'll preview the semis? Let's um, do it. Port Adelaide, Geelong. How good is it watching Geelong lose? God, they look slow. And, and not just lose. They were awful. And and my 15-minute drunk rant from the week before of, is Chris got a good coach? I feel very vindicated after that game. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but all the Geelong supporters flooded the AFL comments as Chris Scott is no good. Mr. No plan B. I was sitting there. I was like, absolutely. God, I'm good. (laughs) In fairness to Chris Scott, he cannot be blamed for Dangerfield and Henderson and other players just dropping easy contested marks and just completely and utterly shitting the bed. Well, did you hear Dangerfield played with one hand? Yeah, I did hear that, which is, I guess, for the game. I guess partially Chris Scott's fault for playing him, but I I reckon if Dangerfield says I'm playing, you're not saying no. But more importantly, um, which is becoming increasingly a trend during the finals, uh, Gary Rowan, nowhere to be seen. Yeah, exactly. He hasn't played a final since, I don't know, 2015 when he was playing for the Swans. Because he just goes, he, he was awful. Yeah. Um, to the point they had to put him to the back line to try and get him into the game. He was playing full back. Um, Alir Alir looked every bit as uh, all Australian centre half back. He took like four intercept marks in about three minutes. Yeah, especially early. Really set the tone early. Said you're not getting past me. Fuck you. Yeah, no, he, he looked. He looked very good. Motlop kicked kicked a brace. Uh, Rosie kicked two. Ratio looked phenomenal, and then BT was absolutely insistent that he gets subbed off, and he get and, and then he did, and then he and then he didn't get subbed off, and then he got injured, and BT looked like Nostradamus. Yeah, which is a shame. We don't like seeing BT be Nostradamus, but maybe uh, maybe the explosion blew him into like the future. <laughs> um, in a bright spark for. Uh, Geelong, Mitch Duncan up in his return look every bit as good as Mitch Duncan looks at yeah, any point. Just a very, very good footballer, obviously. Um, this week's just set for a big grind game. Yeah. No, because I'm going to put money on him and he won't kick a goal. That's a sacrifice I am willing to make. Um, and the other good part about Geelong's game was Isaac Smith. Um, yeah. Was the only person who ran around and got the ball. Because honestly, the rest of the Geelong team was not good. It really... 
Yeah. So of their big three recruits, obviously Higgins is probably number three because he's not in the side. But where do you rank Cameron and Smith's years? Cameron, hard to tell. It's a bit of a DNP just because he played, what, half a season maybe? He looked good. Like him and Hawkins will look good if Cameron can stay on the park. I think Smith's been good from what you can get out of a 32-year-old whose main uh, sticking point for when he was great is athleticism up and down the wing. And he's still kind of got it. And he just has the desire. You could see on some of the Geelong players that they just didn't want to. Because one thing I did notice early in the game, uh, Port Adelaide were really good at pressing the player, um, really high intensity, really early and kind of just got Geelong off their mark, um, which caused like long kicks inside the 50. And they were just like, Hawkins, get this. And then Aaliyah Aaliyah was just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Smith's been the better player this year, but I think Cameron's still the better pickup. No, 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 absolutely. I think Cameron is obviously yeah. the, you know, uh, Hawkins successor when Hawkins retires and then you'll have Cameron and... Radagalia. Radagalia, so... Um, and then a 45-year-old Dangerfield after he still hasn't won a flag. <laughs> Chris Scott looking like uh, Forrest Gump after he's been running for 15 years. With the <laughs> Dan- Dangerfield like a heroin addict, just chasing that high. Yeah. The, the high that he's yet to have. Yeah. Um, and that was, uh, what, what is that? The Yeah, and on that heroin a- analogy, it's time to end the review. Uh, and, and, now, and now we preview. Um, we we swing to Friday night, Geelong v GWS in the, I guess, Shane Mumford the, Cup. The Shane Mumford Cup. How good would you feel as a GWS player to have Cameron leave, say, hey, I want to be around a better club and do better things and then beat him? Wouldn't that just be great? I want that to Adam Sard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even though we, we didn't beat Carlton this year, but really we beat Carlton in every facet imaginable. Uh, and we will get probably get to that in length in the second half of the podcast. Um, so we briefly went over the teams. Tui in, Radigalier in, Max Holmes in, Simpson out, Dalhouse out, which I was surprised. Um, and O'Connor did his hamstring during last week's game, and Higgins will probably be the sub. Greater Western Sydney have some big outs, but they did beat Geelong in Geelong last time without Green and without Kelly, and they have Kelly. They don't have Tom Green, though. That's true. Runner, was he runner-up in the Rising Star? Was he? I think so. Yeah, I think so. And right. with merit, yeah, no, he's a jet. Great player. Um, how, how, where are you swinging on this game? You, you uh, see, yeah, it's in Perth. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell. I half reckon GWS might win again. I think the big ground, the younger side, they'll run it out better, especially if Dangerfield's hand is as bad as they say. Mm. 
because he's probably the one that has the blistering pace and the just X factor to be able to turn it Geelong's way. Yeah. But they just seem old. They just seem slow. Um, without Tom Stewart, their backline looks fragile. Like Zach too, he's a very good footballer and a very good defender, but he hasn't played for a month. The only reason Geelong didn't lose by 15 goals on the weekend is Jack Henry was holding on for dear life back there. He was, wasn't he? Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but what do you reckon the prices are betting-wise? I reckon Geelong are favourites. Geelong, dollar, dollar eighty. And GWS? 205. GWS are $3.15. <laughs> Holy shit. What is Geelong? Like a dollar fifty? That's uh, insane. What the fuck? Mate, I will be putting my house on GWS this weekend. GWS $3.14. Geelong $1.37. Nice. That is such good value for GWS. No, because as you said, it's a bigger ground. Geelong's runners include a 32-year-old Isaac Smith, a recently returning Mitch Duncan, Cam Guthrie, uh, and Sam oh, Mandola. And a one-handed Dangerfield. Yeah. Who is yeah. Like a burst runner rather than just like a runner-runner. But then you look at GWS and they've got runners all over the shop. Taranto. Kelly. Kelly Whitfield. Hopper. Um, who is the other guy who comes off the back line? Whitfield. Oh, you said Whitfield. Um, Bobby Hill. Yeah, Bobby Hill. <laughs> but uh, fuck, no, I'm going to have to find out because it's killing me. Um, sh- 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 Isaac Cumming. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Who? <laughs> the, the amount of times that said that BT said on the weekend, Cumming penetrating the defense made me uncomfortable but i think gws in this game you think it made you uncomfortable how do you think the defense felt yeah <laughs> violated um mumford play gws win uh i'm not sure it's as simple as that but yeah no i think i think it's probably 50 50 ish because i think geelong are the better side but i think gws match up pretty well against them mm. on the big ground if they had Toby, I would be real confident. Yeah, and they are without Tom Gray. But, like, again, um, Connor Stone, how can you go without him? Um, Cogs played all right on the weekend. Has some legs under him. Yeah, good to see what him you- back. I'm not sure he set the world on fire, but he's not a forward either, so. He just, he just played, and I was happy for him. Sam Taylor yeah. actually rinsed Geelong last time they played. Sam, Sam Taylor's an excellent young defender. Yeah, no, he's great. And he... Um, yeah, I know Buddy kicked three on the weekend, but Buddy looked like he wanted to knock his head off. And that's when you know you're good. When, yeah, when you got angry, Buddy. Incredibly frustrated. Um, all right, any last words, final predictions? Uh, yeah, uh, GWS by five points. Yeah, I've got GWS by a couple of goals, I reckon. They're, I think they're just fresher. I know Geelong are the... <laughs> me talking about Geelong last week. Yeah, they've got finals pedigree, but we watched them last week and they just look slow and old. 
and mildly uninterested. So, um, it's but doing. But where the wounded dog though? Yeah, that's true. I I still have GWS by a couple of goals. Um, we move to the. Josh Shackey play for Brisbane. Uh, yes, yeah. Josh Shackey Cup. Was there? Who was? Who? Oh well, the Jason Akermanis Cup. But oh, absolutely. Who was the Bulldogs' massive ruckman? I'm thinking like post Will Minson, like had a buzz cut and like a beard. Hudson. Oh, I know who you're talking about too. Did he play for Brisbane? Very maybe. I'm gonna have to look that up at some at some what point. Was what was his name? Um, Bulldogs remain unchanged with JJ as the Medi sub. Um, Robinson and Jack Payne in McStay out, obviously after his brutal injury on the weekend. Um, he's been he's been told to McStay home. Hey oh. Um, did you say Robinson? Robinson who? Robertson. A Robertson. Devin. Okay. Yeah, Devin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say Mitch definitely played last week. Uh Jackson Pryor omitted. Omitted omitted. Um, uh, omitted. Omitted. And the barometer as the sub. It is and he did this to himself. It is so funny watching Reese Matheson warm the bench and then come on and absolutely be awful terrible he was on the ground for about 10 minutes didn't touch the ball had minus four fantasy points which indicates <laughs> like a turnover or something which is well, like a holding the ball it's just funny um but, sorry yeah go on oh wait yeah ben hudson played for the Adelaide Football Club, the Western Bulldogs, the Brisbane Lions, and Collingwood. A regular Tom Hickey. But yeah, that's the guy I was thinking. 199 centimetres, 108 kilos. Played 88 games for the Bulldogs and then 18 for Brisbane. Huge. Good shout. I'm going the Ben Hudson Cup over the Acker Cup. I love it. Um, Brisbane looked pretty mild last week outside of Obviously, uh, Lockie Neal's rucksack. <laughs> and the Bulldogs, again, I, I said it when we reviewed the Essendon game, showed me nothing that convinced me that they'd be decent in these finals. Yeah. For me, the, the, a real interesting part of this game, I think, is the ruck. Mm. Because I think Oscar McInerney got embarrassed last week by Max Gorn. Yeah. But then again, the Bulldogs don't have a Ruckman. This is, once again, very movable force versus very resistible, uh, whatever it is, resistible force. Yeah, it's, it's like a light stone against a gentle breeze. Yeah. Um, and it, as silly as it sounds, because I've been criticising him as a Ruckman for a month now, I'd almost play Tim English in the Ruck if I were the Bulldogs, because I reckon he'd have Oscar McNerney's number. Probably. Like up against decent Ruckman, like even Sam Draper, I don't think English is up to it. Not yet, at least. Mm. 
Um, and it adds far more value as a forward. But up against someone like Oscar McInerney, who doesn't tend to impose himself that physically, um, I reckon English could be a decent shout. They're all a bit one and the same, English and McInerney. I feel like they're both very slight, very almost timid ruckmen. Yeah. Who are just like uh, McInerney's taller, but I think English is a better mark. English is a pretty good contested mark, to be honest, and would be a very good full forward because he's a good mark and he's a good kick for goal. Okay, you play English in the ruck. Where does Lewis Young play? Yeah, well, that is a, a good point. The bend. Um, Footscray, ideally. <laughs> it's like if Lewis Young isn't, uh, and I think I said this over text at some point, a warm body on the pitch to get just basically be in the ruck. Like, what good is he around? I feel like he's very limited around the ground, to be kind. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Mm. But it's one of those things, and it's almost the, the Petrarca, Bondapelli, Dangerfield, Dusty sort of conundrum. It's like, it, it, where's he going to add the most value, Tim English? Because obviously, yeah, you can play someone else in the ruck and you can play him as a forward and he'll add value but would he be more effective in the ruck like it's it's a quandary and obviously you'd prefer to have english in both spots yeah (laughs) well yeah yeah in the same way in the same way you'd like to have 18 christian petrarchas on the ground yeah exactly or 17 in a clayton oliver Mm. um for all the criticism that i think we both gave the bulldogs in the past couple of weeks or lining up short, I feel like they're coming into this game and last week's game very tall. They've got Hannon, Shacky, English, Norton, Gardner, Keith. The decision to play Shacky on Sunday in the pouring rain was bizarre. baffling. But it worked. But it worked. But it I think well, I'm, I'm not sure it worked because of the decision. I think it worked in spite of the decision. I think Essendon were out there to prove a point. That's yeah. a good play. <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're hoping to recruit him next year as our full forward. No. Um, yeah. The, the interesting thing, I think, this you know week what? is Brisbane going really short, especially in the forward line. They're basically going to have Joe Danaher. Out! Got him! Gone! Pissed off! Fuck off! <laughs> yeah, they got Joe Danaher and... Joe Danaher and no one else. Like Link McCarthy, I think, 6'2 or 6'3. So he's not short. Yeah. Um, but he's not a key forward. And other than that, like Dan McStay's out, Hipwood's out there. It's really going to be Danaher and, and the Crummers, really. Oh. Which probably changes the role that Danaher is able to play. He likes to be able to roam oh, and get up the ground. But he... He's just not going to be able to do that with that small forward line. And I think that's sort of where they got caught out Saturday night after McStay got injured. Danaher still wanted to play his roaming sort of up the ground, mm. kicking stupid little left foot check sides that turn over and go to the opposition for a goal. <laughs> um, yeah, because you line up, if you're the Bulldogs, and I'm just looking at the teams here, you've got Ryan Gardner and Alex Keith as very unwieldy backs who don't give you much by foot and aren't that mobile. You're lining two bigs up against one big, albeit Joe Danaher, who's kicked a goal every round since 1945. 
But then you've got the problem of you've got Charlie Cameron, you've got Link McCarthy, you've got Zach Bailey, you've got Zorko flying through, Keaton Coleman, um, Nakia Cockatoo. Um, and then you've got like Doc Dure and Easton Wood and like you want Bailey Dale coming off the half back. So you've got like Bailey Williams to mark four to five small forwards. Yeah, and I'm thinking this is a very, very, very big Charlie Cameron game. What, bigger than last week? Could be. Who plays on Charlie Cameron? Uh, yeah, probably a fair call. I'd say Taylor Jurek. Yeah, probably Doc. Yeah, I agree. But Doc isn't, you know, the speedster that he was never, ever at Hawthorne. And he's only getting older. He's still great by foot and he's very hard around the contest. But, like, Charlie Cameron will skin him if it comes to pace. Mm. Actually, maybe Easton Wood plays on him. Wood played on Stringer on the weekend and did a pretty good job. I know he might not have the pace, but I think Charlie Cameron, because of the shortage of tools, which that's a fortuitous sentence, um, (laughs) but because of their lack of tools, I think Charlie Cameron will play quite deep, which will suit Easton Wood. Yeah, you'd probably have Charlie Cameron almost being like a Liam Ryan figure in the forward line. Yeah, I think so. Which I think Wood is far more capable to cover than if he was getting up the ground. Probably. He's a a bootleg Mark Williams. Hmm. All right, then let's get to it. Tip? Uh, It's in in Brisbane, isn't it? Yep. Hmm. I think... Think, oh, I think the Bulldogs pull it out. That's I, interesting you say that because I also think the Bulldogs will cause the upset. I, and I don't think it's that big of an upset. The only reason two dollars thirty-five. Really, mate? There's so much value going on this week. Well, the multis we're gonna win, mate. Uh, the double for GWS and the Bulldogs would be almost seven dollars, wouldn't it? Yeah, about he push an eight. I think the absence of the bigs in the Brisbane forward line is a problem. Um, and I know I've just predicted a big Charlie Cameron game, but again, you just look at this Bulldogs midfield and you just think it is so good and it is like probably gonna be dry, dry weather up in the Gabba. You're right. Never rains in Queensland is a notoriously desert-like state. Uh, depends where you go in Queensland, to be fair. But like September in Queensland, it's probably going to be dry. And there's just... <laughs> I still look at the Bulldogs and I think, yeah, they could win a flag. There's just so... Like, they've got the talent, I think. That's just how I feel. That's just a gut feeling. And Cody Waitman has the luck of the umpires with him, so... Yeah, well, someone had to say it. Why do you think the dogs will win? Um, well, I think they, they've clearly been the better side than Brisbane all year. I think Brisbane's forward line won't work that well against the Bulldogs. And I think Harris Andrews is clearly not fit. Mm. 
um, which will add a, a big element to the, the Bulldogs forward line's chances of success. And I think that the Bulldogs midfield, even though it hasn't been firing on all cylinders, I think it's still just got too much class for the Brisbane one. Yeah. No, at, at any given point, unless it's against Melbourne, I think the Bulldogs midfield in optimal conditions for football is just like class. It is like, like, like it's absurd that they didn't finish top four. I know. And it was, you know, this timekeeping issue <laughs> that, you know, but like Trelaw, Dunkley, Hunter, uh, we say this every week, but it still sounds me. Trelaw, Dunkley, Hunter, Bailey Smith, Libba's lined up at Ford pocket here. McRae, Bont, Caleb Daniel. Like it is just ridiculous. Yeah. And you go, you go through the things that stopped the Bulldogs from finishing fourth and Brisbane from finishing fifth. Like Peter Wright having the game of his career. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, the Bulldogs finish fourth. Clarko getting sacked and deciding to take it out on the Bulldogs. Yeah. If that doesn't happen, the Bulldogs finish fourth. They lost to Port, who were going to play in a grand final probably by, what, three points? Three points. Skin of their teeth. And with three goals up, 10 minutes to go. Yeah. Um, the timekeeper doesn't forget that he is a professional and timekeeping in the elite league. Like any of those things don't happen and the Bulldogs finish fourth and they're probably favourites in this game. Even though it wouldn't be a home game, they'd be playing probably in Perth. Yeah, no, I just think it's like you look, I look at the peripheral uh, like role player types of the Bulldogs and I think they're just like, a whole lot better than Brisbane. Like, yeah, don't get me wrong, I, I love Grant Birchall. But having Grant Birchall and Daniel Rich in the same back line means you're playing with four defenders. That's true. So, um, and as you said, Harris Andrews isn't fit. Nort might have a field day. I think this is the one game, I know you said throw English into the ruck, but I think this is the one game where you have Lewis Young against McInerney, and that's kind of a wash. Yeah, and English dominates up for that's probably yeah. true. Yep. And then you've got, you know, Mitch Mitch Hannon, I guess. Is Mitch Hannon the vice captain? No, who's the vice it's captain? It's Mitch Wallace. Mitch Wallace. That got pushed out. That's so who's not in the team. Well, he's a, he's emergency here, though. So. Um but yeah, Bulldogs, winner. That's all I've got. Package them and GWS. Both head to head. What are we looking at? Eight dollars. Yeah, about seven eighty by my count. I reckon. Oh, how's my NRL multi gone? All right, still only one league. <laughs> it was a long shot. Um, seven thirty four for GWS and Bulldogs to win outright this weekend. All right, that is the semi-finals. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up the last, uh, the first half of the last call podcast? Uh, yeah, look, I guess we should mention in this this reasonably serious footy part, Toby Green. Mm. I, I, I agree with the ban that he got. I'm not sure about the AFL insisting that he gets shot um, because the AFL did come out 
in a very surprising move and say, hey, no, we don't think that's enough. We want more. Give me blood. Yeah. Um, I disagree, I think. I See, I followed the tribunal live because perfect time slot for those of us working from home. I am followed Wiley. You were you were asleep. Yeah, I was following the the Age live blog and the Herald Sun live blog and the the AFL.com.au live blog. Um, and from the arguments, I actually thought there was a reasonable chance that he would get off. Really, with Stevic's um testimony that he didn't feel threatened and that it was very minor. And yeah, I actually thought he would probably. Well, not probably, but I thought it was probably 50-50 that he might get off after reading all that. Hmm. But then once he got found guilty of intentional, disrespectful, demonstrative, whatever it was, I can't see how you can get found guilty of that and not get six weeks. Yeah. It's, it's strange because they've gone real half-hearted with it, I feel. They've gone... Because as you said, if... Matt Ste- and the the bit that convinced me the most is Matt Stevick through his hotmail account said I don't feel threatened didn't feel threatened at the time it was just in passing a conversation etc cetera, etc cetera. that was just like because the AFL wanted a minimum of 6 weeks and then yeah, because I almost think there should be I don't even think there should be any scope for like, like if you get found guilty of that and it's not reckless or careless or whatever it is, unintentional contact. If you get found guilty of intentional and disrespectful or demonstrative conduct towards like contact with an umpire, hmm. how can it be less than six? It doesn't matter. I think that's what the AFL wanted. I think yeah. they were just like, okay, he was found guilty. It cannot be three weeks because... Uh, I don't know, someone got... Kyle Hardigan got three weeks for slapping Sam Walsh on the ribs. Mm. You can't tell me that's the same amount as um, Green running into an umpire. Whether he meant it, whether he had intent or venom behind it or not, there needs to be like a precedent. No, 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 but but it's not whether he meant it or whether he had intent. They found him guilty of meaning it. Mm. So once you find him guilty of that, they, they can't... I don't think there can be any, oh, yeah, but he didn't hit him very hard. Yeah, it's it, there has to be a baseline. Of, and, and what I find ridiculous is that they wanted six weeks, but then Tex also got six weeks. And I think, like, they are, there are just... There's obviously levels to this shit, but, like... <laughs> the, the, the other completely ridiculous thing about this whole circus is it's not like in a court system where politicians set the rules and then judges execute the rules. Mm. The AFL sets the rules and can set minimum penalties. So if their version of the court, which is the tribunal then says this, they can't then like, they shouldn't be able to then go and say, Oh, well, no, well, we think it should be this. If you if you are of the view that any intentional conduct with an umpire is six weeks, make that the rule. Yeah, there shouldn't be like... You make the rules. That they are, what is it, judge and lawyer, and they're just like putting it up to the jury for a system that they put together. 
It's why you have full scope to make the rules and then they have to adjudicate the rules. You can't let them adjudicate your rules. And then when they adjudicate it, as you have written them say, Oh yeah, but that's not how we think our rules should be. That is how your rules are. If, if you don't like it, change the rules. It ain't no democracy, baby. <sighs> and as I said to you in text the other day, the fact that they can unilaterally appeal, get the verdict they want, but then appeal the sentence when Toby can't do the same thing. Yeah, wow. And, wow. and I looked into it. When they appeal, the sentence can't go down. Ah, so it can't be so like... It's a, so it's a unilateral uh, appeal. Like, even if the, the people they appeal to find it completely unworthy of anything, they can't go less than three weeks. So there's no risk in not appealing at all. No. Uh, what's the point? Uh, just, uh, hey. But, it, but it's the same as the rules they've brought in for the tribunal this year, which mm. is why there's been so many more tribunal cases. Because they stopped... You know how you used to risk an extra week if you went to the tribunal? Yeah. They got rid of that rule. Now it's just money. Now you, you just have to pay the 15 or 20 grand or whatever it costs to take a tribunal case. So AFL clubs are just like, yep, may as well. Yeah. Which is why it's been noticeable that there's been so many more tribunal cases this year than previous years. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they didn't want to risk the game and they're just like, oh, we got money falling out the ass. Fuck it. We got that pokies money. Look, we got all Jamal's membership money. We may as well appeal Kyle Hardigan's report. His terminated contract. The, the karate chopping Tom Hawkins. <laughs> yeah, I swear for someone who, you know, got traded for a fourth round pick and started in our back line, he played like half a season. I swear he was suspended for half of it. <laughs> anyway. Just to reminisce, do you remember that day? Easter Monday, there was like 70,000 the MCG. We were all yeah. loving it. Yeah. Seems like a lifetime ago. Hey. It was two lockdowns ago. Wild. What was the last AFL game you went to? Was it Hawthorne? Silk 400. Port Adelaide? Yeah, Silk 400. Is I reckon it... I went to Adelaide Essendon. Yeah. With Jell. Yeah, I, I mean, was at work Grim, that weekend. Yeah, that's right, because then Joe went home and I almost came up to see you. But you... Anyway, um, should we wrap it up? <laughs> uh, we should. I don't have any lyrics for you, unfortunately. That's all right. Uh, I'm still mulling over. The... Oh, wait, wait. Donda, Donda, Donda. Is that all he says for two minutes? The first, the first track on Donda is uh, Cyrus... No, no, it's the Donda chant. No, 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 but it's it's the lady who sings All Falls Down from his 2005 project just saying Donda for a minute straight. Brilliant. So so I will sign off with Donda, 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 Donda. 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 Donda, Donda, Donda. Donda, Donda. Donda. Ash Etherington. Any last words? Donda, donda, donda. Donda. Put that on my turnstile. We'll see you in the next half.